0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. News is, and it won't be news to most people, that the cost of living in Canada is accelerating. Inflation is up. Interest rates will rise, the United States Fed is predicting by 2023. And an Angus Reid study says Canadian households are struggling with costs. Absolutely, Canadian households are. We're joined by our good friend, and we always appreciate him coming on this program. He's very good to us with his time. Professor Eric Cam. he's a professor of macroeconomics at Ryerson University. How are you, doctor?
1: I'm well, thank you. How
0: are you? I'm doing great. So, uh, no great surprise that uh, the cost of living is accelerating and uh, that Angus Reid found out that Canadian households are struggling with rising costs. What's pushing this
1: well there's a couple things uh most of the listeners know that StatsCan has something called the consumer price index and that measures not one or two goods but a, a fictional basket of say about a thousand goods that are bought on average by most households and so what's going on is that the price of that basket is rising and they're calling it base effects meaning that it is things like gasoline prices and some of the more core things that we have to buy for our homes that are driving up this uh price level
0: Yeah, the consumer price index or the cpi in may according to the conference board of canada report was 3.6 percent higher in may of this year than it was in may of 2020 which breaks the record for the fastest one year or year over year growth in the past 10 years. I don't know if that's a surprise or not, given the fact that we're in a pandemic, but it's it's tough on people and it's, it's a predictor. Is it a predictor for the future? I shouldn't make that statement. I should be asking you.
1: No, it's exactly a predictor for the future. I think there's a two-pronged uh, monster here a little bit. Number one, um, I think that people are ready and willing now to spend a little bit more than they were a year ago. So you have what we call aggregate demand. Uh, which has been pent up for a while. People are now coming out of the proverbial spending closet and they want to spend money. Um, number two, you're seeing a lot of the effects of COVID where a lot of the producers were very careful to keep their prices as close to constant as they could. They now feel us coming out of the pandemic. And so they're less afraid to raise the prices of their goods. So you've got prices going up on the supply side. You have Uh, demand going up on the consumer side, and it all adds up to the fact that the prices of goods in general, that basket you're talking about, is going up, and it's going to continue to go up.
0: Uh, Tough, as uh, Angus Reid Institute points out, it's tough for lower-income households in this country as they look ahead down the next number of months.
1: Right, and it's always hard for low-income households. I always laugh when um, stats Can or the Bank of Canada come out with these statements that right now it's harder than ever to be low income. Well, guess what? It's always hard to be low income. And one of the problems is that we are seeing the effects of something called stagflation creeping into the economy. So we just talked about CPI going up, prices are going up and, and it's core CPI, it's gasoline, it, things like that. But it's also non-core CPI, which is just pretty much... Prices in general, but you have at the exact same time, um, EI benefits are still rising and unemployment is not coming down. And so stagflation, and I know your listeners know about this, is really. The worst case scenario for an economy it's when unemployment and inflation rise and right now to your point about what is this foreshadowing with cpi going up well it's when you combine it with labor market statistics we are creeping in to stagflation territory and, and canada hasn't seen stagflation in 30 years
0: so what's the uh what's at the end of the uh, of the uh, shaft of light or the darkness if you will at the end of the tunnel instead of the light at the end of the tunnel what's awaiting us uh, after stag stagflation takes hold
1: what's awaiting us really is that we're going to have to let the people that we've elected into office and then the people that they've appointed into office in a sense to have to choose because as i just said stagflation really is a trade-off and it is a dilemma Because economic theory says you cannot attack both with equal vigor, you can attack the unemployment rate, we know we can bring it down and we know how to do it, but you have to let inflation swell. Or, as we've proven over the last 25 years, we can attack the inflation rate, target it, keep it at 2 2.5%, but then we know that unemployment is going to rise. So it really becomes, Roy, a trade-off, and in a sense a preference on behalf of the government. What do you want right now? What is the lesser of two evils? Do you want higher prices or higher unemployment, knowing that you can't cure both together?
0: You know, we you when you and I speak on the air, we normally have one or two issues that we uh, cover. I just feel like right now I'm taking uh, decorations off a Christmas tree. We'll take one over here, take one over there, take one over there, because there's so much going on, and they're not well. They are related, but they're you know not not totally completely uh, straight line related. Or maybe they are. I have to I have to think about what I just said. While I'm thinking about what I just said, why don't you talk to us about inflation? Um, about, about, it, I'm sorry, rising interest rates because the Fed in the U.S. is saying by 2023, you'll see a rise in interest rates and that's already affected the futures market.
1: Well, that's right. And for the listeners that have heard me before, they know that I think that the interest rate is the most important price in the economy because what it really does is it says, how much money is it going to cost me? What's going to be my premium? On borrowing. So if I'm a if, if I'm a consumer, that's called consumption. And if I'm a firm, it's called investment. And so it really is the lever that economists can push and pull when they want to control spending because we consider money to be an asset like a lot of other assets. So if you want people to demand more of it, you have to make it cheaper. And vice versa. And so right now, like I say, we've been living in in a 30-year world of super. Low interest rates, and in fact, I saw this week one of the mortgage companies uh, offered a a one-year fixed at 1.19%. That is effectively free money. So the answer to your question, as long-winded as I always am, is that the government's going to have to decide what does it want to do with interest rates. Because as we get back to this stagflation target, and yes, I'm kind of fixated on it because I don't hear enough people talking about it. What do you want to do, Roy? Do you want to fix the interest rate and keep it nice and low. Well, I do in terms of spending because spending is the number one growth motor in the economy, but it's going to hurt the the unemployment rate and we know that. So then you say, okay, let's let's be careful with the uh, with the unemployment rate because we don't want EI benefits to go through the roof. Let's let interest rates go up. Well, Okay, no problem, except you know that consumption and investment, spending across the economy is going to fall. So in a lot of ways, I like what you're saying, because we are coming out of a pandemic, but we're heading into a potential pick-your-poison environment, and as an economist, that makes me nervous. Yeah,
0: makes me nervous. I mean, I choose whatever you choose, because you're the one with a PhD in this stuff. Me, I just meander around, hoping for the best, hoping the grass is going to be green eventually. But it, it, is, it is very – I'm not trying to be funny here. This is just my crazy metaphors. Um, but look, here's something else I want to talk to you about and then we'll take some calls from our, our listeners. Where does this factor in? I was reading just the other day that the supply chain is strained and prices of goods that are going to the wholesaler before they go to the retailer, prices of goods are more expensive and so that makes goods more expensive. Where does that factor in, or is it already in that 3.6% consumer price index?
1: You know, Roy, you should have been an economist because what you've done is you've just explained half of my stagflation argument, which is that you can have demand shocks Um, to things like printing money too quickly. And we both know that that's been happening. Or you can have a supply shock when the supply chain slows down. And when you have less supply, that just naturally drives up the price because it increases scarcity. So again, you are like Kreskin, you've seen half of the problem now. And we are heading into an environment where supply shocks are going to marry Demand shocks, and I'm I'm very concerned, and I'm glad that you and the listeners are as well because it keeps me employed.
0: Well, it, it keeps you employed, and it keeps us informed because you provide us with this information. Now, you're very, very popular with our listeners. You've been on this program now. I would imagine what, about four or five months. We've had you on quite regularly, and each it's one has been just, it's been a great it's been great. Um, w- what I hear from listeners is how much they appreciate the fact that you just call it the way you see it. You tell it like it is. You don't get caught up in politically correct uh, verbiage. You just tell it like it is. So I've received numerous emails from listeners saying, could we ask Professor Cam a question? So yes. Ian is in Vancouver. Thanks for the call, Ian. Go ahead, please.
1: Uh, Professor, I'm just curious as to uh, what letter grade you would give the Liberals' economic policies during COVID. And in layman's terms, what are the practical, or what are, what are the uh, what are the results of that for the average Canadian? What is that going to look like? Um, so so, uh, your average Canadian would understand. Well, thanks. Um, I guess I would have to give them about a, maybe a D plus meaning that I wouldn't say that it's been complete failure in that they did what they had to do in the first round to keep the economy in liquidity and um, to stop from seizing up. Uh, But that's about, in my opinion, all that they did right. Um, they have not opened fast enough. They haven't dealt with the border fast enough. They haven't dealt with small business fast enough. And so I think they had, they did a wonderful job at doing the bare minimum. And when my students do the bare minimum, they tend to pull in a C plus, a C minus, uh, D plus grade like that.
0: All right, Ian, I appreciate the call in Vancouver. Alan is in Toronto for Professor Cam. Hi, Alan.
1: Hi, Roy. Thanks for taking my call. Great program,
0: as always. Thank you. Um, My my question is this, and I apologize. I came halfway through the interview, so I apologize if you already covered it. But my concern is with the government shelling out so much money over the last year and a half with COVID relief and, and benefits to individuals, are we not increasing our um, concerns over inflation or stagflation by two because, in essence, they've printed so much money that they've devalued our dollar. So when you add that to the other impacts on the economy, have we not, in essence, created a a situation where we are negatively impacting our our hopes for recovery by by two?
1: Well, you had me and then you lost me. Um, You're right. They have printed an enormous amount of money, which is going to inevitably cause some level of inflation, or God forbid it causes no inflation, and you're going to see unemployment like we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, But to your point, uh, times two, times three, I have no idea. And this idea of printing more money devalues our currency, it doesn't really work like that. That's a bit of an urban legend.
0: Brent is in Langley, British Columbia for Professor Cam. Brent, go ahead, please.
1: Hey, so I've seen uh, six increases in
0: the last year between 10 to 30% at the plumbing wholesaler uh, for my buying, which is increasing the cost of the customers. Uh, Do you think that uh, with the housing crisis as it is, people will be able to afford it and the government will artificially decrease the uh, interest rate to match to
1: help people? I don't think the government's going to artificially do anything. Uh, I think the economy has an amazing way. Of writing itself. Uh, To your point, you're talking about what Roy was talking about, which is choking off the supply chain and increasing um, the supply side of the price level. And I think that is destined to continue.
0: All right, Brad, appreciate the call. Back to Toronto and Bill on the Roy Green Show on the Coros Radio Network. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I've got a couple of pieces of property and I've got money invested in the stock market, primarily blue chip. What should I do to protect my
1: assets? The easy answer, and I'm not a big stock market guy, corporate finance is not my area, is to diversify, diversify, diversify. You know that interest rates are going to go up. So, you know, that always helps savers. Um, but if any economist ever looks at you and tells you what's going to happen with the stock market, run like hell. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate the call. Many people, millions of people, uh, Dr. Cam, who
0: who live in this country, still, still breathing, remember the days when interest rates were at
1: 18%. I remember when they were 18% because I was young, but I remember my mother and father terrified about their mortgage. They signed a one-year mortgage at 18%, and at the same time I watched my across-the-street neighbors put their keys under the door and walk away. It is a terrible, terrible situation.
0: Yeah, 30 seconds left. Lynn sends an email to Roy at com. Government debt can't survive
1: a rate raise. So what happens? Government debt can survive a rate raise. Government debt can survive anything because they're the government and they tend to print the money and they tend to just owe themselves. So the question is whether, the not whether the government can survive the debt payment, the question is if the government's making payments on the debt, what are they not doing? What is the sacrifice to maintain that debt?
0: And we have lots of it.
1: Lots and lots. If you want to hear more,
0: subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites.